tell. Hello. Use the false loop. Mr. John Marshall. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. What's up now? Spider friends, go for it. Transform and roll out. And I'll form the head. That's what she said. Hey, this is Jonathan. And this is Alan, and welcome to the Nerdy Me Podcast. Jonathan, what are we talking about today? Alan, today we're going to talk about comic books. Why we collected, why we stopped collecting, why maybe we should get back into it, and maybe our listeners should get back into it. We're also going to give some recommendations for uh, really good storylines to really help you jump into comic books if you've never read them before. So, Jonathan, what's your background in comic books? Like, when, when do you remember... Maybe not your first comic book, but when did you think that you're considered like a collector? Well, I say, and I do remember my first comic books. Uh, when I moved out of the city and into the suburbs, when I was about 11 years old, I remember going to the local pharmacy one day, and they had comic books in their newspaper rack. So I was just looking at the comic books, and one of them caught my eye, and it was Secret Wars number three. And had Spider-Man fighting the X-Men on the cover. Now, my own experience with Spider-Man and the X-Men was the amazing uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Mm-hmm. And obviously, in that show, they were friends. So I remember thinking, like, why is Spider-Man fighting the X-Men? That doesn't make sense. What? And it made me pick up the book. Yeah. Mm. So it made me pick up the book, and I read it. Was it number three or number four? It's one of the Secret Wars. Anyway. So I read it, and I loved it. And, you know, I, I slowly understood that it was a limited series, and I can... Uh, that was the current issue, so I would buy all the current issues after that. And then for Christmas, my brothers actually went to, uh, they were in the city, New York City, and they bought, they went to an actual comic store, and they got me the first two issues, which I had missed. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was very cool. So you, your so, first comic book you got at, at the pharmacy? Yeah, yeah. It was a, there were no comic stores up until maybe a year later. Because um, I even think, I think back then, this is like 1984, 85, comic books weren't huge, you know? Not at all, yeah. Yeah. It was almost like a secret kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because so there were, you, Okay. I was going to say, they were in pharmacies, they were in convenience stores, you know. I mean, it was a pharmacy, but it's, you know, they it was almost like a convenience store, too. You know, they sold snacks and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think as a kid, that's the only place I would see a comic book store, like if I went to the local 7-Eleven. But if you think about during our times, and like, what were our sources of medium for like the superhero genre it was maybe what was on tv at the time the incredible hulk wonder woman incredible hulk wonder woman right. um shazam. the adam west batman reruns right right yeah shazam and isis um you know the cartoons obviously we grew up you know grew up with the 60s marvel cartoons you know the classic um Jingle, you know the the intro songs when Captain America throws his mighty shield. Yeah. You know Spider Man, Spider Man does whatever Spider can. Uh, you know Thor, Prince Namor. Uh, we were introduced to the Flash. Uh, I think Aquaman had his own show, right? At one point. It did. It, oh, you mean a cartoon? cartoon show? Yeah. And then Super. Oh Friends. yeah, he did with Aqualad. Right. So we were. It's weird because we never picked up comic books up to a certain point, but we were aware of them. I don't even know that we. We might have just thought of them as cartoons and then like oh they're in comic books also you know i didn't know that we knew well i knew that comic books were like a thing i just thought spider-man was a cartoon i think two comic books had this hmm like a negative connotation to it too like it seemed like only children like really young children should be reading comic books versus you know something that you got into as you got older also you know i mean like i like I've said it on record before. My first comic book was Hulk 261, and I got 262. And then the only reason why I got them is because I don't know if my mom brought it home, my brother had it, but it was just laying in the kitchen. I would take it, and I would steal it and claim it as my own. But I never really fully got into it until maybe several years later when my buddy Albert, a kid I grew up with, he was having like comic books. I think he had his delivered to his house also. And he had like a run of X-Men and stuff. And so I would kind of live comic books through him. But it wasn't until, you know, decades later went up until I met you at a college. And you took me to, I think it was the Woodbridge Mall in, in Jersey. 
And I remember one of the first books I got was um, the Infinity Gauntlet. And I was hooked. You know, right from then on, I was like, oh, God, I got to start buying like these books like all the time. But, you know, like I said, growing up, it was something that we weren't exposed to. Now, today, it's it's a whole different ballgame. I mean, you're talking like you can't go into any like department store without seeing some sort of connection to the superhero world. Right, whether it's toys, clothing, um, paraphernalia, you know, in the mall, it's such a. I mean, even to see like, you know, people on the street wearing like an X Men T shirt. I mean, you wouldn't see this kind of stuff back in the day. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, my I had a cousin that's older than me that collected comic books, and I remember when my mom would drag me over to his house because she wanted to you know, hang out with her aunt, her, her sister, I mean, my aunt. I'd just sit up in his room and I'd go through his comic book box. And he was very big on DC, very big on Titans. And uh, I would just read his comic books. And I wouldn't put them back. I mean, he would always yell at me because you know, <laughs> I never put them back or anything like that. Um, there was that, and I, one of the first comic books I remember buying was a G.I. Joe because I loved the toys. I loved G.I. Joe toys. And it was G.I. Joe, oof, maybe number seven. Oh, you got it, it early. Was, it was... Uh, well, I yeah, I wasn't collecting though, but I remember seeing it at a convenience store. I was with a, I was very young. I was like eight, nine, ten, and I was with a, a neighborhood friend of mine, and I, I had to beg her for like sixty cents to buy this comic, <laughs> and it, it was, um, it was, Cobra Commander's, like head with the you know the shield, um, the head, not the hood. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, it was like kind of uh, you know because it's like a mirror reflection and. And it was split in half. On one side was like members of the G.I. Joe team, and the other half was the October Guard. And that was uh, the Soviet Union's version of G.I. Joe. And I was just so, like, amazed by it. I was like, I have to get this comic book. And I, I think I still owe that neighborhood friend that 60 cents. <laughs> um, but I was just like, I remember. And the thing was, like, because I was an eclectic, so I would roll up to stick in my back pocket, you know, things like yeah. that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I wish I had that one still. Um, but yeah, I remember that as like, like being one of the first ones I ever bought myself or maybe owned. Mm-hmm. And it was Judge number six, actually. And oh. um, so, yeah. And then, like I said, yeah, the Secret Wars number three is what really started me collecting. It's like, oh, I have to get the next month's issue. It's, it's what spurred me on. And and then I started picking up, oh, I like Spider-Man. So I buy my amazing Spider-Man. And I like, you know, I like this hero and I like that hero. So, so at this but point, we're is, still getting at the pharmacy? Yeah. Yeah, oh, about, so every week or well, every month you'd hit the con- the the pharmacy to pick up your books. No, you would just go there and yeah, you would just go there and pick them up and buy them. Um, you know, there's no holding or anything like that. Anyway, I want to go back to what you said about nowadays in regards to look, the geek culture has exploded. It's the fact that we even do a podcast is because there are people out there willing to listen to us, and it's very not much the subculture that comic book collecting was when we were collecting. And you're right, you can see. You know, you'll see people wearing X-Men shirts or Batman shirts. Here's the thing. My brother has teased me my entire life for collecting comic books. You know, maybe maybe not my first year, but, but you know, at point, like, you're 12 years old, why are you reading comic books? You're 15 years old, why are you reading comic books? You're in college, why are you reading comic books? <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I didn't do that my entire life. And it's funny, recently I was at a family gathering and I had a Captain America shirt on. It has like a shield. Yeah. And one of my brothers said something to me. I said, you got to be kidding me. Because like three, three family <laughs> gatherings earlier... One of my one of my brothers was wearing a Captain America shirt. Aha! Uh-huh. And I said I pointed this out to the brother that said something. He said, "Oh well, we said something to him too." I said, "You did not." <laughs> and he's not, not a comic book reader, but he, but he loves the movies. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. my, this one brother loves he loves the Marvel movies, but he will never pick up a comic book. And this is what's odd about this: you would think with the explosion of popularity with these characters and these heroes, their original medium was comic books. You think there'd be an explosion in comic book readership? But the fact remains is this is probably the worst period in comic book retailer history ever. I think Marvel and DC are both recording record lows in sales. Yeah. And they're both being propped up by their parent companies, Marvel by Disney. And I'm talking the comic uh, arm of, of, of Marvel, you know. Yeah. And DC by Warner Brothers. I think without their parent companies, I mean, look, what were we like maybe less than 20 years ago, Marvel filed for bankruptcy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because the nine, yeah. Because you know the '90s took a huge hit out of the comic industry, and they—I don't think they ever recovered from that. No, not at all. I mean, without without these movie deals that they've been having, 
of Marvel could have been bought out by was it Toy Biz or was it the other way around? I, I know they were they were they were in big big trouble. I think I think when they re- kind of recovered, they bought Toy Biz. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, but now um, their heroes are done by Hasbro, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah, so, it's it's really weird that you have all these people, which is which is kind of like for people like you and me, like OG geeks. <laughs> yeah. It's weird to see these. Like cartoon, like look, Target sells comic book shirts. You know, yeah. Walmart shop. Like we used to have to go to the comic specialty stores to get a shirt with with a, with like an X Men logo on it or something. You know, mm-hmm. it was few and far between. And the fact that casual people, you know, if they like the movie, they're gonna wear it. They have no idea of Captain America's history. They have no idea of the X Men's history, but they like the movies, so mm-hmm. they're gonna wear the shirt on it with with that on it. So it's really weird that it has a spurred. Uh, renewed interest in the comics themselves and what, and we need to talk about that like why you know so what made now let me ask you do you currently buy a monthly book i do not i haven't i haven't bought a comic book in quite a long if i yeah i mean if you don't count the ones i would i'll buy at a show to get signed i haven't bought a comic book for myself in a long time so what what made you like you said the og geek right what made mm-hmm. you stop well, I was a consistent collector from about 84 till 1990, uh, it, which is the year I went to college, September of 1990. And I stopped purposely because I felt like I started listening to the people around me. You're too old for comics, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm going to college, you know. And, and again, we've said it before. This is something you would hide doing, but you weren't you weren't cool sitting around, you know, the college lounge and reading a comic book. Yeah. So I'm like, look, I'm going to college. You know, it's time to grow up. I want to, you know, I don't want girls to see me reading comic books or whatever. I'm going to stop buying comic books. And I stopped. I stopped for pretty much a whole uh, four months. <laughs> <laughs> and what happened was I started, I'm like, uh, but there was like two, there was like maybe five titles. And I'm sure Maisie Spider-Man was one of them where I'm like, I have to keep finding out what's going on. So I would, I would secretly buy like five books a month. Yeah. And I keep, I remember this so distinctly because I keep them hidden in my desk drawer as at my door. <laughs> and like, I, th- I remember my roommate saw them once and he just kind of, he wasn't like mean about it, but he kind of side-eyed me. He's like, oh, you read comic books? I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I you know, just buy them. Yeah, you know, I, I made up this excuse. And then the thing is, it wasn't until uh, I met you sophomore year. Um, and I don't know how we started talking about comic books. But we did. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, it's like a kindred spirit and i i jumped back into comic books full time when when you and i started going every like was it friday back then it was friday right yeah the books came out on friday yeah um we would go every friday and buy the new books and And we'd come back to college and hang out in the lounge and read (laughs) right and we'd have them in brown bags and we'd tuck them in our jacket between the parking lot (laughs) that's right it was just it was just so bizarre but it it was nice that i had that because even growing up like i would hang out at the comic stores and um, I talk to people and I, the comic collectors, but I wouldn't never make friends with them. Like we wouldn't hang out or anything. Hmm. But I enjoyed that, and and that was part of what you know started our friendship was that commonality, and we could you know talk about comics and heroes together, and then go to the store. And um, yeah, so and then I started. Then even after college, I kept going, and I stopped about maybe ten years at this point ago mm-hmm. because I was ordering online. Um, at this really great website where I was getting like 35% off new books. Oh, yeah, I remember that. So I put it, yeah. Yeah, so I would get a box every month. I would get all my books in a month at the end of the month. Or maybe I was getting them every two weeks. I forgot what I was paying for shipping. But I would get them in boxes and then I'd just sit and read them and put them, you know, put them in a bag and board and put them away. And then I just realized one day that I had boxes piling up, like unopened boxes because I knew where they came from. Mm-hmm. And there were unopened boxes, there were comics in them, and I'm like, I'm talking like three or four, so we're talking like, you know, three or four months worth of comic books just wow. piling up, and I'm like, why am I, but I would go on, it was like almost a habit where I'd go online and I'd fill out the form and send in, you know, put my credit card in and send send the order out, but I wasn't reading them. I'm like, why am I not reading these? Yeah. So I remember opening them and, and reading them, I'm like, oh, because these stories are boring the crap out of me. That's why. <laughs> like, I had zero interest in what was going on in comics anymore. I just felt the stories got really bad. There was no 
I mean, there was a few that were still really good, but just in general, I was like, I could be using this money for other things, you know? And, um, yeah, so I just stopped buying. And it's funny because I, you know, we have a mutual friend, Jason, that did the, uh, that did the, uh, Halloween show with us and he's a collector. And I told him, I'm like, dude, I got, I got a bunch of comics I'd be willing to give you. And I went upstairs and I looked through them and now I don't remember any of them. Hmm. I don't like you. Know, I mean, you remember how you read a comic over and over, and you can know oh, yeah. the story and know the cover and all that, and know the number. I didn't recognize any of these things, and I tried to read them, and I was getting bored again. I was like, well, oh, okay. I think this is the problem. I think this is what happened back in the '90s when we had this big explosion of like new creators and new books. Is that the things that got us you and I hooked? It was if you read Amazing Spider-Man. It played off like a soap opera where, you know, one book would run to another and they're really developing these characters and stories and there were lots of fun to read. I mean, Amazing Spider-Man was that one book where, boy, I had a hard time letting that one go, even though some of the stories were pretty bad, but I, but I right. kept up with it. But the problem is, is that, I, that I sensed is that they were going after for that, that big financial push. So... During that time period where we're getting like special covers, glow in the dark covers, hologram covers, new number ones, new titles and stuff. And and it seemed like that was starting to become the trend, you know, like they'd have these special storylines that were there were they were cool at the time. But I guess when you have something happening over and over again, it loses its its specialty. Right. And you're right. There are books that I remember reading. Oh, great, great example. Like when New Warriors came out, um, Mark Bagley and Fabian, what's his name? Nichesia? Nichesia, I think. Nichesia. I must have read that comic book to death. I'm surprised it's still like together. You know, I mean, over and over again. And I just re remember reading that whole storyline and, and Thunderbolts just reading just so, so enthralled in these stories. And yeah, I, I can tell you what they're all about. I know everything about them. But as time went on, it just seemed like. They were always looking for that shocking thing, and the thing that right. actually got me out of comics, and I said, I said, I, I, I've had enough, is uh, I forget the name of the storyline, but it's when Peter Parker and MJ finally separated. Oh, right? Brand New Day, I think. It, is it called Brand New Day? I think so. Yeah. It could be. And I or said one, one last time or one more. Um, yes, it was like something that. like this. It was like their last run, and they were hinting that they're going to split up Peter Parker and Mary Jane, and I said. I'm done because they're only doing it just for that shock value and it was very upsetting and man to say I'm not going to go after several years not buy Amazing Spider-Man boy it was it was like you know going through withdrawal it was really bizarre you know and 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 I really haven't been back since then for Amazing Spider-Man I did keep up with my Captain Americas and then um and then that kind of ran its course and I haven't been back since so it seems like how they're writing complex fate is just different. Plus, I think there's just a saturation of it also. I mean, that, that desire to read a comic book now, maybe it's not as strong because we're getting hit left and right. I mean, it's on Netflix all the time. I mean, it's commercials and movies. It's, it's everywhere. Right. And that desire to get that physical book, maybe it's not as strong as it used to be because it's, you're surrounded by it. Yeah, I think when you talk about Spider-Man, we we read through a lot of nonsense. I mean, we read through a lot of great stories, but we read through a lot of nonsense. You know, the Clone Saga, Maximum Carnage, all this craziness. And then they, when they finally did, um, it is one more day. That was like the nail in the coffin. It's mm. they took they took all the, and that's the thing too. When when I stopped about ten years ago, I stopped recognizing these characters. You know, they weren't acting or doing the things I remember them doing. And I understand every writer has to put their own spin on what's going on. Mm -hmm. But there were just editorial decisions made to a lot of these longtime characters that didn't make sense to me. And, uh, you know, that the stories weren't interesting anymore. The characters weren't the people I remember them being. And the, it got cost prohibited, too. I mean, books are look, I started. They were 60 cents each, oh, 75 yeah. cents for a limited series book. Right. Um, I think they're currently like four bucks a pop. But when I stopped there probably close to the 299 mm -hmm. um and that's a lot you know when you're buying you know 20 books a month that's a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> sure you know? is so it was a combination of a lot of different things and and i guess maybe coincidentally that that when iron man came out around that time it's it kept me in the in the 
in the know. Like I'll still read up about what's going on in the books, yeah. but I'm not reading the books. I mean, because even then they got convoluted with every, and then they started doing big events. Everything was a big event. Yeah, yeah. They had their civil war, and then they had when uh, Norman Osborn. They really leaned on Norman Osborn a lot in Marvel, and I just got so sick of that. Um, Dark Reign, I think it was called, or something like that. And then they had Fear itself, mm-hmm. and you couldn't keep. And they were rebooting themselves. Marvel and DC kept rebooting their time. Timelines. I'm like, I can't keep track of what's going on. Yeah. Um, then they start at number one. They would like they would take their books back to number one. Like, oh, this is now Amazing Spider-Man number one. And then people complain. They're like, all right, we'll go back to the original numbering. And then then, then you know a year later, it'll go back to number ones again. I'm like, you're killing me. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's happening. So it's 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 supposed to be fun. When it became work, I'm like, this is too much. So do you have any ideas? Uh, I was thinking because finances was a big thing for me too especially to pay for a book that you're not enjoying anymore. But hey, right. there's a time where, like you said, um, the, um, the spider clone and stuff, though I was not happy with it, I was okay with buying it still because it wasn't that expensive. So right. I remember reading an article as to why comic book prices have gone up. And there's a, there's a lot of things. You know, I'm sure the artists and the writers' salaries has gone up. But one of the big things was um, they went digital. The cost of paper, the cost of uh, the colors and stuff. How could you, if, if finances is a problem, how could you bring maybe bring down? Like, would you be okay with, let's say, lesser quality paper? Sure. I mean, and, the, think about the paper in the in the eighties and the early nineties that it was on, and then you know you would pay the extra. You know, miniseries were seventy five cents because they used different paper. You know, yeah. Um, they use the whiter, glossier paper. You know, um, if you look at any old comic books now, it's like that brown, almost newspaper type paper in there, maybe yeah. a little thicker. But you know, and you, you understand that. But I don't know that the prices are just on the quality of the book. Um, I don't need the high glossy stuff and all that. I, I think it is the cost of. I think it's just the regular cost. I think they're trying to make a the fact they're not selling as many issues, and that they are. I, I don't know that artists like the regular artists and writer get paid all that much hmm. you know i think if you're a big name you're probably making some dough but if you're just a guy that that's a decent writer and decent artist on a, on a book that doesn't you know it's not a number one hit but it sells well i don't know that you're making that much money either but what would you say the average cost of a new book today three four dollars maybe five probably i um, mean shoot when we were collecting i remember leaving like the comic book store, I may have spent twenty bucks, but I went home with a stack load of books. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, yeah, and even some. I was gonna say sometimes you know you, you're like, oh my god, I can't believe I spent twenty dollars. Like, you spent a lot <laughs> yeah. of you're like, oh, you know, you walk away guilty, but then you're like, okay, it's, uh, these books are good. Yeah, but so you're walking little... away with like two books, maybe. At, you know, now with the, the with the cover prices, so how can you get like a kid? Maybe that's what what their mistake is, is that they're gearing their books maybe towards uh, the older individual that, that can afford it, where maybe it should start with a little bit younger, where you have the books affordable, where they can get a couple of titles and, you know, go home with it. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at Marvel.com and I'm looking at the current issue of Avengers, which is 15. Which I don't know why, because the Avengers have been around since 1964. <laughs> but apparently they're up to issue 15. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah. They're around 15. Since the digital issue is 3.99 for the digital issue. The so digital issue. And isn't that usually going? Isn't the digital issue going to be cheaper than the the physical copy? Usually or no? Well, Marvel did this thing where if you bought the book, you got a free digital code to download the copy for free. I don't think they do that anymore. Well, it was this damn shame because <laughs> it was really cool to do, but it's it's funny. It's like if it's a digital copy, it's not like they're using paper anymore. They're not even distributed any place anymore. It's just being downloaded. Right. So they're charging four dollars for a digital for a download. That's more than like you could you could buy a song for a dollar thirty. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's and there's so no collectability weird. to it too. You can't get a, a creator to sign your ipad <laughs> exactly it's not gonna happen i mean they could but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. uh, it's just so bizarre yeah and okay so both the digital if i read it right the digital copy and the physical copy are 399 yikes four dollars yeah so three books is going to cost you twelve dollars sure i mean i mean geez i mean i haven't looked <laughs> how many how many spider-man books are there right now like 
you know, titles running. I'm sure there's Amazing Spider-Man. I'm sure there's another kind of Spider-Man book. There's X-Men Amazing. There's Friendly Neighborhood. There's Miles Morales Spider-Man. There's, um, uh, I said Friendly Neighborhood. Yeah, there's a bunch of those. I mean, X-Men is just ridiculous. Yeah. Actually, I mean, they kind of pared back because they, they stopped making X-Men books for a while there because they were they didn't want to give money to Fox. They didn't want to advertise their movies. There uh, was a time where Avengers, I was getting... So Avengers books, too. I was getting Amazing I'm Spider-Man, sorry. Spectacular Spider-Man, Web Spider-Man, and I think there was just a non-adjective Spider-Man. I think I got like all those four books, and it was extremely yeah. doable. Yeah. But, but how do you get a kid? I mean, they're putting out, you know, so many numbers of X-Men, Wolverine, Spider-Man books, and you're saying that the cover price is four bucks. I mean, even if you wanted to read these books, you couldn't financially do it. Right. And um, see, when I was a kid. There was three Spider-Man books. There was Amazing Spider-Man, Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man, and then something called Marvel Tales Spider-Man. And that was a great book because all it was, it was a reprint of Spider-Man from the 60s. Mm-hmm. So you could read, like, as a as a new collector, you could read all those stories. And right. And they, you know, cost you 60 cents an issue. And they went in order. And they just, all they did was slap a new cover on it. And right. it was great. They were called Marvel Tales, and I loved it. And I think they eventually started, they called it X-Men Classics. They started doing it for the X-Men. So, um, so that's how you get involved, you know? Yeah. That's how you get them to read. I See, I think what you got to do is, is you, you, I mean, the Marvel and the DC movies and all these superhero movies are, are, aren't going to go away just yet. But they will, you know, like, like any kind of genre, it's going to explode upon itself. But in the meantime, I think the smart way to go is I was talking to my coworker about this. I said, shoot, I mean, if, if you're telling me that, you know, like, for example, Venom and Aquaman made so much money and they're and no one's running to the comic book store, then maybe the smart thing to do is to build a com like a comic book line really reflecting the movie. So when you see Captain America, you see Chris Evans face, you know, you see Samuel L. Jack- L. Jackson as as um, Nick Fury. You know, if you can tie that together, maybe that'll get people to come in, come into the stores, you know? Yeah, they tend to always try to incorporate some of the movie or TV stuff into the comics. And I think, I, I personally think that causes problems, you know, because then the longtime reader is like, oh, now, now Aquaman has to look like Jason Momoa, you know? Right. So it's just weird like that. And if you listen to... Um, our friends in uh, Enter Nerd Zone did a simulcast with uh, conversations with Jason and Pete with uh, Matt from Kirby Comic Store about comics, and they talked about, and uh, Matt talked about how how when Aquaman hit, he was like all prepared for the Aquaman books to start selling like gangbusters, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. And I think you got I don't I don't think Wonder Woman saw a push. Uh, I don't know that Captain Marvel books will see a push. I don't know that the Avenger books. They might have seen the push, but because um, they're very popular, uh, I don't think I don't think the Shazam movie is going to do anything for the Shazam comic book. To be honest with you, hmm. and weird. this is what I'm talking about. It's weird how it's not translating. Yeah, it, it's not. But I mean, if these movies aren't going to go away, and, and this is going to be the trend, then the smart thing to do is to really. I mean, I'm not saying totally change Alchemist's look. Well, maybe you can have like I mean, DC's done it elseworld all the time you know why don't they just have a comic book line that is you know really strongly related to the movie i mean the whole idea is not necessarily to have this one gang boss buster comic book but maybe at least enough to get someone into the comic book store to say hey do you have this you know comic book it's related to you know the the movie Alchemist, and boom there it is you know versus seeing this movie and you have an idea oh this guy looks like jason momoa and then all of a sudden you pick up an Aquaman comic book and you're like who's this dude this is, looks nothing like the guy I just saw on the on the movie screen uh i don't know i can just speak from experience my niece loves the flash show so i i sent her to crisis on infinite earth's trade paperback because i i believe it's one of the best flash stories ever right she enjoyed it she enjoyed the comic it didn't make her ask for more. It didn't make her go to the comic store and start buying The Flash. It's just, I think they're just able to separate TV, movie, and comic books. Or maybe that's just enough for them. Her weekly dose of The Flash is okay. She mm-hmm. doesn't need to add a monthly book, you know? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just it's a weird situation. I don't know what the answer is. And the fact matters this is we, too, are longtime comic book lovers, but even we're not getting back into the collection. 
No, so, I remember I, I went to a comic book store. I think this was over the summer, and I was telling you, I went to the comic book store. It's, it's been a while since I went, and I said, hey, man, I want to get back to comic books again. You know, I'm, I'm typically a Marvel guy. Give me a recommend. I, I want to start something. And he's like, oh, man, what was it? Thanos number three. He's like, oh, man, it's the best thing Marvel's written in, I'd say, years. I'm like, really? In years? Really? This is gonna, okay, I, I bought it. I went home. And I almost bought my butt with it. It was the stupidest thing I ever read. And I'm thinking, does this guy even know what he's selling? Like, how can you tell me that's like the, the best no, the, story? Because Alan, it's quite possible that was the best story Marvel's written in years. <laughs> it's, I'm just saying. It's, it's quite possible. I'm saying. Look, I go, I go to Barnes and Noble, and I'll be, I'm gonna be straight up honest with you. I'll pull a trade paperback off the off the shelf. I'll buy my cup of coffee, and I'll sit in Barnes and Noble and read the whole trade paperback and put it back. Yes. Um, that's one of the ways. That's one of the ways I keep up with what's going on in the world. And there's some bad writing out there, man. Yeah. There's some bad, bad writing, and I don't know what to do about. I don't know what to say about it. Uh, it's just nobody acts the way that you're used to them acting. And nobody, I mean, all these reboots and all these major stories have changed the characters so much. It's bizarre. It's yeah, been, they always and Marvel, become Marvel's like one of the biggest. Yeah, I'll read it. I'll read it. DC, DC. I can keep up with DC better than I can with Marvel. I, I just feel like they're rudderless. I don't know if Cassad if is still in charge over there. I know I never liked his reign. Mm -hmm. over at marvel but right. it's it's a hot mess <laughs> my well, opinion, in my opinion marvel's a hot mess <laughs> let me ask you this okay so let's say you had this person that was totally not into comic books but you're thinking okay may maybe like if they enjoyed the movies or or you know maybe into like they're into like funko pops pop culture stuff what would it be like a book you would say hey you know i think if you read this book you you'd really really enjoy it well, if I'm talking to someone who wants to collect comics, I would honestly tell them, especially if it's Spider-Man or something, uh, more of a Marvel property, you know what, collect the old stuff. Because the stories are out there. And if that means trade paperbacks or buying original issues, because the fact of the matter is, because the industry is doing so bad, you could probably get a lot of decent back issues for decent prices. You know, mm -hmm. I, I don't see why you couldn't get you know, a random 1988 Amazing Spider-Man, I don't know what number would be. If As long as nothing huge happened in it, like an introduction of a new character or something, you could probably get it for cheaper than a new issue. You could probably get it for 3 or $4, you know? Yeah. Um, and why not just do that? And at least you'll have, you can, you know, the fun of hunting down all the issues of a cool story and things like that. You know, we did an episode on pretty recently about our, our favorite storylines and you know we suggested getting them in trade paperbacks if you could but you know if you really enjoyed them go get the original issues like the x-men thing it's two issues the one i talked about it's two issues long nothing huge happened to them but it's a good story so you can go out and probably get those two books or maybe at the most 10 bucks mm -hmm. which is what two bucks more than you're paying for two current issues you know so, so what, what spider-man storyline would you like if obviously spider-man's deep right like if you right. if you went to the novice person it's like oh wow i saw a spider-man movie um and you want to bring it to comic book store would it be that storyline that that you would say hey th th read this well i suggest something called untold tales of spider-man and uh -huh. it came out in 1995 it came out in 1995 written by kirby's and they're brand new well back then you know 95 there were new stories centered around the early days of Spider-Man. So you really got that early feel of, of of Peter Parker still being a teenager and going through what he was going through. But it was kind of updated, so it was a little bit more modern. And they were just really good stories. And it was, unfortunately, only ran like 25 issues. Yeah. So you could get them a trade paperback. But the funny thing is, Alan, is that they were, they were being sold at 99 cents. And the whole point of Untold Tales was to... Because people are like, oh, if you want to get into Spider-Man, here's something cheap. As opposed to the, you ready for this? <laughs> As opposed to the $1.50 books we're selling, here's what you can get for 99 cents. <laughs> so, and it was good. I mean, Kurt Priestley did a great job on it. And again, it gave you early Spider-Man. He wasn't married. Um, he didn't have all that baggage of not just the marriage, but the Green Goblin and, and Gwen Stacy. And it was just all, all the stories of Untold Tales took place in maybe his first two years of being spider-man what was you know? cool about that book too as far as i recall 
I remember when they presented this 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 book out. I think I read this in Wizard the magazine, and they interviewed Kurt, and he said, "Well, you know, why this book? What's so special about this particular book, other than the price?" And I remember him saying, "Is that these are the stories between the stories?" I was like, "Well, right. that's pretty cool." So it wasn't like a storyline that you read before, even though you were like a long time reader. But there were new stories set in the past, but it was happening between the books. I thought that was genius. Right. Genius, yeah. and the art was, you know, like Pat Olaf, I think, was the artist, but it wasn't like yeah. the Jim Lee, like high detail comic work, but it was just like it had that old school kind of feeling to it. Yeah, it's a shame. You're right. I think it only went for what twenty something issues. Twenty five, yeah, and it came at a perfect time. I think this is this might have been during the whole Clone Saga, and I mean, Amazing Spider-Man went some, through some really really bad storylines. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of a nice, nice retreat into Spider-Man, where you knew you were getting at least one good book a month. Absolutely, um, a good, good Spider-Man book a month. So, yeah, if you're if you're into Spider-Man, you want to get on board. And funny thing is, it's it's over 20 years old now, but it's a really <laughs> good, it's a really good way. It's more modern than going back and getting the 1960 books. And it, it like you said, it takes place in between the 1960 stories. Yeah. So it's it, like one. Yeah. No, I was going to say the writer, Kurt Busiek. I mean, like if you're looking for a writer that is quality, that knows his stuff, like, you know, I did a poll on Instagram. Do you follow the artist? Do you follow the writer? I mean, obviously, the mostly everyone follow the writer. At that time, Kurt was probably, I don't know, would you say he's at his peak at that time? Absolutely. Or pretty close to it. I mean, Absolutely. everything that he uh, touched turned to gold and the writing was just fantastic. So it will stand the test of time, yeah. you know. Yes, yes, absolutely. They're classic, and they're there's no politics in them or anything. They're just good stories about Spider-Man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there, there is a book that you know. So when I when I met my wife, uh, when when we were dating and stuff, and you know, obviously when she met me, comic books was uh, was a part of it, and to get her into comic books, I actually started buying her a monthly comic book. And the book that I got her was called Bone. And Bone was made by this guy named Jeff Smith. And it was an independent kind of book, black and white. And it's the tales of, uh, I think the guy's name was Phone Bone. There was Phony Bone. And and, and like it was basically Phone Bone and Smiley Bone and his two cousins. And it was such a, a good story. Um, I don't remember. I, I think it went out for maybe know, a couple years, I think. And... It was the one book where, you know, I would buy my books and then I'd get her book. And every month I got her her book and I gave her that book and that was hers to keep. And she absolutely loved it. Absolutely. So it wasn't like a, a superhero kind of thing, but it was a kind of book where she got it. She understood what comic books were. She understood like the whole story thing. It was, you know, like one book ran into another and as the story went on it got deeper and deeper and bone is just one of those stories where i would think if you got like a superhero book maybe about two or three issues maybe the thing is resolved where bone it was just this one long tale and it it reads reads really really well and if you haven't read bone this is this is a high recommend for the for the person that i would say again not into the superhero thing but maybe maybe into comic books or maybe what they're about I would highly recommend Bone, and and usually when you find Bone now, when you find Bone nowadays, and you get the trade paperbacks, that thing is like as thick as a dictionary. <laughs> it's, it's huge because usually they'll do I think issues one all up to fifty five all in one book, but I think it's it's worth a read. They have great characters in there. There, I I mean I was sucked in myself. You know I'd read the book then I give it to her, but yeah. That, that, that was my wife's um, first foray into comic books, and it's it's really helped her understand things. Yeah, I, I read, I think, the first uh, trade paperback of Bone, and is it about, like, they go on a journey or something like that? Yeah, yeah, they go on a journey. Yeah. They have other, there's this, I remember they, they meet up with, uh, oh, yeah, well, her name's Grandma, that's right, her name's Grandma, Rose, and she's, like, <laughs> this older lady who's just tough, and she would, like, for fun, she would race cows, and and there's this other guy Lucius, who's this huge guy, and just and but there's a whole backstory between behind all these characters, you know, like the farm girl was actually is actually a princess, and grandma was actually a queen, but you know they all 
you know, went back to the farmland to live their lives. And there's dragons in it. So it's a fun, fun read. Yeah, I remember. I liked the bone. It was, it was good. That's a good pick. It's definitely a, a gateway. Helps get you into the comics. Uh, another one I would recommend for the DC fan is because of all the different reboots and universe changing crises that happen for some mm -hmm. reason DC. I would say Flashpoint is a good entryway because it really, it, again, it breaks down what was then the current uh, universe and started a new universe. And that's kind of where they are now. And it's just a really good story. And the thing about Flashpoint is it's a good story. There's also a DC animated movie based on Flashpoint. And then there's rumors that the, the next live action Flash movie will be in the Flashpoint related movie. So, you know, you can kind of prepare for all that with this. And it's really just a story of um, Barry Allen changing the past and the repercussions of it. And the, the world goes to crap because of what he does. <laughs> and... Um, and then he's got it with the help of the changed universe's Batman. I'm not going to give too much away. He's got to try to fix everything. This is the Barry Allen Flash, right? Yes. I always thought Flashpoint. I didn't like realize. I didn't. I didn't get this book, but I always thought Flashpoint was like, like there was Flashpoint the book, and there was Flashpoint Batman. It was like I thought a bunch of titles had that title on it. Yeah. Well, I think they kind of. You know, they, they branched out, you know, how, how like there were tie-in issues to, to certain, whatchamacallits, hmm. certain storylines. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so there, there was a story, the Flashpoint, like a limited series, and then there was other tie-ins, like Batman Flashpoint and stuff like that. So, But you didn't need to read those books? No, not usually. I mean, it helps. It enhances the story. You don't need to do it. And again, everything I'm going to talk about is available on trade paperback, so. Yeah. If you want to read those books, you could probably buy those too. That part of it. Was that? It's a good, Mark just Wade a good Wade? way to get into the DC universe that we're at now. Did Mark Wade write this? No, I think it was Jeff Johns. Oh, that's another quality writer. Yeah, and drawn by Andy Kubert, who's who's a really good artist. Yeah. Oh, from Marvel. Yeah, one time. Yeah. Well, they jump <laughs> back and forth all of them. They all jump back and forth. Well, you mentioned earlier that you, you, I know, like maybe you weren't too crazy with Joe Casada, but I, didn't he start the Ultimate Universe also? Um, you mean as editor-in-chief? Yeah. I thought that was under his helm. But anyway, if it, the Ultimate Universe, Marvel did try to do something to kind of bring in new readers. And, and I think a lot of the newer movies are based upon the, the Ultimate Universe. So basically, the Ultimate Universe did not coincide with the current Marvel, Marvel Universe. And it was almost like everything was starting new. So they had Ultimate Spider-Man number one. They even had X-Men. They had something called the Ultimates, who were actually the Avengers. And it was like starting from scratch, like, like as if you're like a great starting point. But it almost, it, it felt everything was happening in real time. So you'd have more modern things you know in the storyline um like when you see the ultimate still a little bit it was it had a had a movie cinematic feel but it was more of a like a matured group versus right. like the original avengers but ultimate spider-man and that was written by uh brian michael bendis another great writer and mark bagley oh boy they're on that run for holy smokes it was like a, over 100 a issues time. yeah yeah Excuse me, 111 issues is, is how long they went for, and those are actually really good quality stories. And I think the uh, the Amazing Spider-Man movie, I think they kind of replicated uh, based upon this comic book, I, I think. Even like just looks alone and stuff, because Gwen Stacy's still alive, we're in the Marvel Universe, she's dead and stuff. So, I mean, the ultimate line, whether it's that X-Men or, again, the Ultimates, which is, like, when you see Nick Fury in the movies today, that look came right out of the comic books from the Ultimates. I mean, when you read the Ultimates, you're like, oh, wow, that's funny, it looks like Samuel L. Jackson. And it was! <laughs> it turns yeah. out that's what's inspiration. Yeah, well, they, did, they did it on purpose, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they did yeah. it on purpose, and... And boom, you see in the movie theaters, like, see, that Jonathan was what, I'm, was what I'm talking about. Why can't they capture that, that that closest to, like, the movies and the comic books where it's a little bit of comic booky, a little bit of the movies, it's a little bit of everything. It is separate from, you know, the Marvel Universe, but it's just enough to be familiar. I mean, I thought that was a great starting point. I really don't know what happened to the Ultimates as itself because I think that I don't think they exist anymore. 
Ultimate Storyline, and they had a bunch yeah, of other the Ultimate Universe is gone. Yeah, it's gone, and it's yeah. it's a shame. I thought it was a it was a it was a brilliant way to get new people involved. And let's face it, it's a number one. I mean, like number ones always sell well, but it was a number one book that every single issue afterwards it just kept growing and growing and i absolutely loved it you know and that's from a person that was boy during that time period i was starting to walk away from comic books but that kept me back in you know and uh, they're well-written books i mean if you read the ultimates right now you would you can see how close it is towards the movie counterparts you know it's it's a more of a mature Uh, feel to it it's more mature. It's more realistic. They didn't really have costumes per se. Um, I I I understand why you liked them. I liked Ultimate Spider-Man a lot. I was not a big fan of Ultimate X-Men or the Ultimates because of that gritty realism that they brought into it, mm-hmm. and just the dysfunction of the heroes. It's not my thing. Um, I don't read superhero comic books to be reminded of the real world, you know. Um, so when I I'm not saying I don't, I think comics shouldn't be like that. I just think there's a time and place for them. And one of the places for them would be in uh, the book, A Hundred Bullets. Very graphically violent, but just a great story. It's not a superhero story. There is some kind of shadowy thing behind the whole thing. Um, But it was a great series. And this is a great gateway because you can read, you can pick up during any issue because while there is an overarching theme to it, you can, you know, each issue is kind of standalone, more or less. Um, except as you get toward the end of the series when you're trying to wrap up everything, like the overall uh, theme. Um, it's It was by Brian, I'm going to say his name wrong, Brian Azarillo and Eduardo Riso. And the basic premise is, you know, something, you know, you, there's something going wrong in your life and like really wrong. And a guy comes in, guy in a suit. He puts a, a briefcase. He gives you a briefcase. It's filled. It's filled with a gun and 100 bullets. Untra- he tells you they're untraceable. You can do whatever you want with this gun, uh, and it'll never get back to you. Um, and then it just goes from there. It's a really a good kind of look into how you, people solve their problems and and how far people will go. It's kind of like if you. It's basically if you could kill someone with no repercussions, would you do it? And then every 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 issue is goes along that theme, and it's really good. It's great. It's gritty. It's it's realistic, um, and they're just great reads. And I think if you're gonna if you like that kind of stuff, you want to see that in comic book form. One hundred bolts is a great way to start. Great place to start. Another recommend I have, especially with Marvel's Endgame coming up. Uh, like I said, this is the book that really sucked me in. Uh, is the Infinity Gauntlet. This was written by Jim Starlin and art by George Perez and Ron Lim. Perez is a wonderful artist, but this is a story. If you like these, like Avenger movies that have been coming out, I remember when Avengers, what was it, the first Avengers movie came out and they had that end credit scene and it's Thanos and he turns to the camera. Holy crap. I remember just being like, oh my God. And I remember saying that out loud and everyone around me says, well, who is that? I'm like, oh, you got to read the Infinity Gauntlet because this guy's a <laughs> badass. And they're like, oh, okay, I'll check it out. I'm like, yeah. And as we're walking out, my wife was like, oh, who's Thanos? And I was kind of explaining to her who he was. This book is amazing, especially now that a lot of people, well, look at how much money this thing's made. How many people have seen this movie? This is the book that started it all this is kind of what it's based upon and let me tell you I, as much as i love um you know the, the infinity movies and stuff um the infinity gauntlet is such a good read i mean deep down when i when i've reread this book i think a couple months ago i was like god this is guys way better than the movie i mean story-wise it was so deep and and what made it so impactful which you couldn't do in the movies because of contracts is you know in the movies there's only so many actors you can pull from. You know, that's why they had to make these Ant-Man and Wasp, you know, characters just to kind of like pump up, pump up the characters. But in the comic book form, you didn't need to do that. I mean, you would see literally maybe 40 or 50 superheroes versus one Thanos. And I think that's what made it more impactful that he was able to take on all these guys. And these are characters that it's an easy read. You know, um, one of my cousins, she's was not into comic books and I said hey I'm gonna buy you two trade paperbacks and you're gonna read them and you're gonna love them so I got it in Finley Gauntlet and the other one was Kingdom Come 
And both those books, I mean, really super easy to pick up, quality stories. And again, if, you, if you're into the movies, read the book where it actually came from. This is a story. This is the book that got me hooked and, and like it, it hooked me ever since. And it's, it's something that I think anyone can kind of pick and really truly enjoy. Yeah, I think it's, um, we, you know, we've discussed the Infinity Gauntlet before, and it's just a great story, and it's the basis of 10 years of Marvel movies at this point, and they were smart to go that way, um, I think. Um, and it is a good kind of lead into um, comics as a whole. I think another one is, I think it's considered the first Maxley limited series, meaning you know, more than four to six issues. And it was Marvel Superhero Secret Wars, which uh, I spoke of briefly earlier about getting me into comics. But what makes this a great gateway comic is that it has pretty much all the top Marvel superheroes going against all the top Marvel villains um, on this battle world. You know, a, a powerful being called the Beyonder kind of kidnaps all the heroes and villains from Earth and puts them on this makeshift planet and makes them fight. And he... What's great about it is, is, and I remember this because I just started reading comics, I wasn't familiar with a lot of characters and stuff like that. It's written by Jim Shooter, and it's written in such a way that you're introduced to the characters. Like, he gives you enough background within the story so that you have a good idea who each person is. So after you read that the, the whole story, you have a really good feel for most of the characters in the Marvel Universe, and then you can start picking up books and, and, and know things and things like that. You know, Like I said, I thought the X-Men and Spider-Man were friends because they were friends on the cartoon, but in the actual Marvel Universe, you know, they were, they knew each other and they maybe teamed up every once in a while, but they didn't hang out. You know, like there was no <laughs> Spider-Man and his amazing X-Men friends, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's what makes, and it's a good story. It's a really good story. Secret Wars was a really good story and, um, Again, it introduces you to all the major villains and heroes of Marvel, and it's a great jumping off point. And I don't know if Jim Shooter did it on purpose, but um, it's, it's it's a great way to get people uh, involved because it definitely got me hooked. You know what's crazy? I went to a con, I think it was the WonderCon maybe two years ago, and I met Jim Shooter, Eric Larson, and Portacio. Dude, there was no mm -hmm. line. I mean, people walked by them like they didn't know who they were. And I was telling them, oh my God. God, it's Eric Larson and Jim Shooter. Like, holy crap. Take my picture and get the autograph. And I was, I, my head was in the clouds. I could not believe it's, it. You know, all these it's huge. A, it's, huh? a, it's amazing that the people, it's amazing that the people that we waited online for 20, 25 years ago or couldn't even get near are so accessible. Now, I, I told the story about Marv Wolfman sitting by himself at a table at Baltimore Comic Con. And I was taken aback by the whole thing. Yeah. Um, it's just amazing. It's, it truly is. It really. I mean, like, I had a, com a Comic-Con in my town recently. And when you go there, it's weird. The, the, the comic book element itself is was probably, what, 10% what, of the Comic-Con. And the rest of it was everything else. It was... And I'm not saying this is bad. I'm not. I'm not trying to downplay what what people do and stuff. It's just this is the trend. It, cosplay was enormous, and people were there, you know, dressed up, not even really buying anything. They were just showcasing their stuff, which is. I mean, it was really impressive what they did, and a lot of like uh, Funko Pops, t tons of those. I mean, up the wazoo, and um, art. But not even it was like local, you know, the local artists and trinkets and stuff. But the mm -hmm. the, the the comic book, physical comic book, was maybe ten percent. I was like, holy smokes! And so like I had a ball. I was going up to these comic book guys and talking with them and and you know asking for the books I was looking for, and I, I got them so easily and they're readily available to me. But it's it's so weird. Yeah, like it's Jim Shooter. I was like, oh my god, this is the guy that did Secret Wars. It's like he was like he started. Oh, what was that other? Um, a company that he started was was it wasn't Valiant was it Valiant yeah it was Valiant oh I love Valiant yeah, it was Valiant. yeah and I'm like this is the guy this is the guy from Marvel he was like in the trenches mm -hmm. with Stan Lee and here the guy is like seven feet tall the guy's enormous you know and, and Eric Larson and he was too. like one of the youngest people ever to be like editor in chief yeah yeah oh that's right he was like a kid yep. like literally a yeah, kid Eric <laughs> Savage Dragon yeah. yeah so uh it's so weird to to go to these conventions and the comic book element is it's so small but but yet they're very successful they're 
you know, San Diego Comic-Con, I mean, like, yeah, I want to go if I can get a ticket. I mean, these things are always sold out all the time. Yeah, San Diego Comic-Con's impossible to get there. Right, right. But the, the comic book format, it's... I wish there was a way. I mean, I really wish there was a way for 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 people to hit the comic book stores again. But I know you and I brought up a lot of good things, you know. Price point's a big one. You know, it's way too expensive than it used to be. That's for sure. And the amount of freaking titles that are out there, it's its really tough to 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 collect them all. And they're relaunching number ones like every two months. So it's like when, when can you really sink your teeth into a book other than just always looking for number ones? Yeah, I think I just read something like Captain Marvel has gotten like five reboots in the past seven years or something like that. Yeah, it probably has. Like they just keep they keep coming out with number ones for Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um Yeah. So yeah, I, you know, we talked about a lot of good comics. Um is there any more that you want to talk about uh, that get people involved in or I mean, I think the ones that you and I mentioned are really good starting points. I mean these are yeah. things that you and I read. I mean the books I recommend are books I personally told people, Hey you wanna get into comic books? These are the go to books, you know, right. and and they've thanked me for it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, look, if you're out there and, and you're thinking about picking up a book and you're not sure, you know, text me around. And chances are we've read it, especially if it's an older storyline. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'll let you know. Well, not text us, obviously, you don't have our numbers. But, you know, Facebook us or Instagram us, and we'll let you know if it's worth buying. And if it's not, we'll steer you towards something better. And if there is a book right now that you're going to say, hey, man, you need to be reading this book every month because it's fantastic – let us know, because I really want to know. I, I would I would love to really get back to the comic book store again and find that storyline where, where I'm going to say, okay, I'm in this for the long haul. And, and I really am still looking for that book. But uh, the, the last time I had that was Steve Epting and um, Ed Brubaker. Yeah, and he's like another guy you, you don't really hear about anymore. No, it's, it's mm. weird, like... Ed Brubaker is one of the scientists in the room when they create Captain America in the first Avenger. Did you know that? Wait, wait, say it again? He Ed Brubaker, I'm sorry, I said it wrong. Red, Ed Brubaker, the, the writer, is one of the people in the room when they wake up the Winter Soldier. In, oh, no um, kidding. When Hydra wakes him up, yeah. Because oh. he created the Winter Soldier. Oh, that's very cool. And Jonathan, we did some polls on Instagram. What? What? <laughs> kind of reflecting the show I asked do you currently still buy comic books and this is a nerd me podcast guess what percent actually do I will say 40% close not too bad 33% do and 67% says no wow yeah. of the people that do buy comic books where do they buy their comic books do they buy at a comic book store and have said yes have said no. So where do they buy them? I don't know. I didn't ask that question. <laughs> I did ask, what made you stop collecting books? We have one here that says, price and bad writing. I wrote, the divorce of Pete and Mary Jane. Uh, last night says, something. Okay. Let's see. Family, heart, fun, and food. Price, too many titles, and a few other reasons. Uh, so a lot of people aren't very happy about what's going on. Uh, let's see. What would bring you back into comic books? Pricing, lowered price, and Big Super Podcast says my son. Okay. We okay. have here. <laughs> what interests you more, the art or the writing? Oh, this, this percentage got a little closer than the last I looked at it. Uh, the writing one, but fifty-six to forty-four percent. Hmm. Wow. That's interesting. I don't know, man. I like pretty pictures, but you gotta have a you gotta have a story behind it, you know. Well, I th I think that that number looks pretty good because I remember reading a book. Oh, it was a Spider-Man book, and the art was just dreadful, and like it was such a distraction for the story that like, I I couldn't do it anymore. All right. Yeah, Paul Bradley feel. But and there's also <laughs> I know the comic. Uh, companies are trying to create this this market of variant covers so obviously the art plays a lot into that and i know there are people out there that buy just for variant covers and i almost bought um recently j scott campbell did variant covers for a recent issue of amazing spider-man and, and they're fantastic i'm gonna text them to you oh but, didn't he just uh, do mary jane 
He did Mary Jane, oh, he did Gwen Stacy, and I can't find them anywhere. Like you can order from them online, but I, I, I don't understand his thing, so I'm not sure what he's asking for. So something like that, um, but yeah, a very like, cover of a really yeah. cool cover drawn by an awesome artist. Would that make you go and buy it? Um, I mean, these are really awesome covers, and I want to buy them. And it also depends on the price. Right. Uh, yeah, that might, but it's got it's got to be really rare because look, even. They're coming out with uh, Detective Comics 1000, and that's going to have a bunch of variant covers. I saw Alex Ross's cover. I'm not going to buy it, though. It's not enough to make me buy it. So Yeah, or um, at least to buy, like, you know, more issues and stuff. Okay, right. have the movies helped or hurt the comic book industry? What do you think? Well, I said it hurt. hurt. Yeah, what I think, percent you think? I think they think, I think people might think it helped. You're absolutely correct. 80% felt it helped. 20% hurt. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. You know, like the the local comic book, comic book store I went to, they, they've, they've been around for several years, decades from what I understand, and they're gone. They folded. You know, they, they just can't keep the customers coming back in again. And that other comic book store where the guy recommends Thanos, every time I walk in, I am the only one in there when I walk inside. It's, it's really an interesting thing, but yeah. So yeah, that's that percentage. We got here. Uh, are you more into the superhero movies, but not interested in reading the comic book? And most people are into the movies. Sixty-seven percent more into the movies. Thirty-three percent more yeah, into see. the books. Yeah. Okay, I got a few thank yous uh, for following us on Instagram. We have the Adventurers Clubhouse. Their their thing is pretty cool. It looks like they're like decorating their whole home and like. Indiana Jones stuff, which is pretty cool. And uh, we also have Sir Cosplay. Uh, thank you for following us on Instagram. And on Anchor Allen, we got a new favorite, uh, Cal, Cal Mishiba. Hey, now. I hope I said you're right. Uh, really uh, enjoyed, liked our podcast and started listening to quite a few episodes. So welcome. I hope you enjoy what you listen to. And, uh, you know, feel free to hit us up on Anchor or on Instagram or Facebook. Um, on Instagram, kmash206 made this little nice comment. Uh, he says that he usually doesn't listen to podcasts, but he really likes the content. Perfect length, crammed with bits of info and insight about the topic of the day. Thank you so much. Now go write that on iTunes because <laughs> that would be better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, if you are listening to us on iTunes, please uh, rate and review. Give a five-star review if you love what you're hearing. And uh, write a little nice note to us. Uh, the more reviews you get, the more exposure iTunes will give us. Sure. So you can find us on Anchor FM under Nerdemy, Facebook, Nerdemy Podcast, Instagram, Nerdemy, Twitter, YouTube, Nerdemy Podcast. We're there. We are everywhere. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> that was fun. Yes, it was a good, good topic. All right. Till next time. Martha! Peace. Peace.